welcome to today's episode of Macros and Mindset. Bariatric Living and Beyond. With Patricia Hill. And Dr. Kristen. Hey, okay. So today we are going to do the first of a two-part series on regain. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. This is a real hot topic. This is something that we hear about a lot. It comes up over and over and over, not only in our groups, but in pretty much every other bariatric support group that there is out there in the world. Um, and so we decided that we were going to go ahead and put our, um, <clears throat> our take on it, our information, give you guys um, some of the lowdown on what's really going on. Um, and in this first episode, we're really going to focus mostly on the nutrition aspect of things. So me, um, Patricia, I am going to take the lead on, on this one um, and talk about it from a nutrition standpoint. Um, and then Kristen is here to obviously support me and to um, definitely add the mindset component to the nutrition. And then in our next episode, we will talk mostly about the mindset. The mindset she's shaking. The mindset of regain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which she has a book. Yes. Release your regain. (laughs) So we'll go ahead. You can find that on Amazon. Yes. Amazon. (laughs) Release your regain by Dr. Kristen Lloyd. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal, guys. Um, Liquid resets are not the answer. Point blank. Yeah. Put simply because... From a mindset perspective, it leads you back to the diet mentality. And once you get on the train of the liquid resets, then it could be something that somebody ends up doing once a month, once every six months or however often. And it's a gateway to eating disorders. I am not trying to take over your episode, (laughs) but but really the liquid resets can actually get somebody caught up into a situation in which they are um, potentially going down the path of eating disorders because they don't learn to trust themselves or their body and they're fighting with food and they're fighting with themselves. So I think really focusing on um, a nutrition reset, Mm -hmm. a um, full food reset is important because it's actually teaching people how to utilize food from that, from what I call the 80-20, which is 80% whole healthy foods, 20% of that other stuff, because it is a balance. We're not Mm -hmm. going to be 100% perfect. We're not going to to (gasps) eat 100% real food all the (laughs) time, right? It's reality. It's It's reality. reality. Yeah. And so here's, here's the deal, guys. Um, If you've had bariatric surgery, your tool still works. Okay. Um, we get asked the question all the time, or we see the question, did I stretch out my stomach? Did I stretch it? Have I ruined it? Have I failed? Have I, you know, spent all this money having the surgery and now I've blown it because I've stretched out my stomach? Okay, well, the answer is yes and no. Um, so the human stomach is a muscle. It is elastic. It expands to hold food and it contracts once the food's been processed. Research, and this particular research came out of Australia, shows that the stomach does stretch as months go by, but it stabilizes at about two years post-op. It also shows that the stomach increases volume, so the amount of food that it can hold, by 50% in the first 12 months following surgery. 50%. 
Wow. I know. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. 50%. That's what the research is showing. So the bottom line is guys, you know, those of you that are like, oh my God, I'm going to go do this liquid reset and I'm going to drink nothing but liquids for three days or four days or five days or whatever the heck is out there because they're all just gimmicky diets. The bottom line is the stomach is never, never big capital letters, never going to shrink back to the size that it was immediately after surgery. It's virtually impossible. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And it wasn't, our stomach was never designed to do that. You know, when we had our surgery, the surgeons, you know, designed this surgery, designed the the outcome of this so that the stomach would increase over time. Because let's face it, how unhealthy would we be if we could only eat four or 500 calories a day for the rest of our lives? So the stomach has to increase so that we can increase our caloric intake for healthy, for to be healthy. Well, and I've always um, seen it as somewhat of a metabolic reset because it does um, change the uh, ghrelin and leptin, the leptin mm-hmm. and ghrelin levels um, in the stomach or in the pouch, mm-hmm. which if you guys don't know what leptin and ghrelin are, those are the hormones that regulate the hunger hormones and your brain you know, produces, regulates between your stomach, those hormone levels. And when you have half of your stomach taken out or most, depending on what surgery you have, which that's a totally different episode, Episode um, is it's like this metabolic reset, which, which really helps you, um, to regulate those hormone levels. Because at the beginning people will say, I've heard a lot of people say, and I, even had this experience. I was not hungry mm-hmm. because of those leptin and ghrelin levels. And, uh, after some, sometimes those levels come back. Well, absolutely. And so, so here's the deal. It, it's what you do with your stomach that matters. Right. Okay. So, because when, when we have the surgery, surgery does change things, especially in the first year. Um, patients can experience, like you said, the hormonal changes, the, the neuronal changes, the, the chemical signaling and the regula- regulation for, you know, appetite, for hunger, for satiety, and even changes to the types of foods that we like and how often we like to eat. Oh, my taste buds change. Oh, completely, completely. I mean, things that, and I can go on and on about this, but, you know, I just use cilantro or bell peppers as an example. I could not eat them prior to surgery. Now I can't get enough of them. So oh, interesting. Yeah. And prior to surgery, I was like a crystal light junkie mm-hmm. and now I can't stand it. Yeah. And, and, and it has an aftertaste. My, it, not only does it have an aftertaste, but the sweet, mm-hmm. I can't have things that are too sweet. Yeah. So I used to be able to drink full strength mm-hmm. and now everything has to be watered down, diluted. Yeah. diluted. Me too. It's, it's yes. Yeah. Now I like, I can't put one of those sleeves of crystal nope. light or something in a bottle of water. Nope. It has to be like half of the sleeve or even a quarter, quarter. of the sleeve. Yeah. 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 Just, um, just enough to give it some taste. But so, you know, with this being said though, that we know that the stomach is designed to stretch. We know that in the first 12 months after surgery, it stretches up to 50%. Okay, that's a good thing. Again, from a health standpoint. Okay, guys, everything we're bringing you is from a health standpoint. Okay? Um, but, you know, let me, let me go back to the whole thing of liquid resets are not the answer. So fluids after surgery have a very important purpose. Um, they are to avoid putting strain on your stutures, on your stitches, um, and on the new pouch or stomach. Okay, that's, that's the, the only reason. It allows your stomach to heal. And think about the diet that we have, the nutrition plan we're told to follow immediately after surgery. It's all protein. Okay. Well, and, and to your point about mm-hmm. that, after surgery, when you look at um, 
the reason for it. You're, you just went through this major surgery and your stomach, which you had the surgery on, right, is healing. Right. And so protein, when you, and I'm sure you're probably going to talk about this, but the, the protein is the, um, amino, you know, the building blocks of muscle amino mm -hmm. acids, mm -hmm. and it actually promotes quicker healing yes. and recovery. Yes. And so after surgery, it's the liquid to give our stomach time to heal time and to heal the, and the net, the needed necessary the nutrition, the nutrition to heal. So the, like you said, it, it allows for those amino acids to create the proteins, to build the tissue for us to heal. Correct. So once you get past that healing phase, you know, and I typically with my clients, I, I say at about three to four months is when, you know, it's like, look, we're, we're done with, with liquids at this point. Um, you know, because we really need to be eating real food at that point. Um, we don't need the liquid resets. We don't or the liquid diets at that point. It's not only unhealthy because, oh my God, they are just nutritional train wrecks. Um, but they aren't needed because your body's healed. Okay. We don't need them. And then if we can take that a step further, we can actually talk about the fact that, okay, what is the rule on drinking? And this will vary. I understand. I know that my, my doctor said 20 minutes before, 20 minutes after 30 Some minutes, say 30 minutes yep. before 30 minutes after. Why, why do they say that? So that you don't flush your pouch or stomach, uh, with the food so that it can break it down. Yep. And, uh, so that you'll stay fuller longer so that you'll feel the satiety. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll feel full. So here's the deal. If we're drinking protein shakes, it's a liquid. Is it going to stay in your pouch long enough to be broken down? Or is it going to flush right through like every other liquid does? It's going to flush right through. And so this is why if you really pay attention to it, those of you that are like living on protein shakes, how hungry are you after drinking a protein shake and how quickly? Like within an hour, maybe if you're lucky two hours, you're probably starting to get hungry again. I hadn't thought about that. You know, occasionally I will have a protein shake that I'll put in my coffee mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll substitute it for breakfast. Um, but I hadn't thought about how hungry I am because I just naturally space out my meals. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually you've given me something to think about. I actually have to look at that and see what comes well, up for me. And two, because you're mixing it with, with coffee and I'm not going to get on the coffee. Judge bandwagon. me, judge me. <laughs> I'm not going to get on the coffee bandwagon except to say that coffee is a natural appetite suppressant. Oh. And so it's suppressing your appetite, which is not something a bariatric patient needs to do. Not in the beginning, not in right. the beginning. Like no. my doctor said no coffee for six months. Yes, exactly. And I almost because died. We need to eat. <laughs> To eat, guys, yeah. we've got to eat. We have to fuel our body. Our bodies are machines. They have to have nutrition pumped into them on a steady basis every two to three hours, especially in the first six months. And we can spread it out a little bit further once we get further out. And then at the two-year mark, you know, we can spread it out even further. And sometimes we can even cut back on meals just depending on where we are calorically. So, you know, those, those liquids, we just don't need them past about three months, four months when you're able to eat enough food to properly fuel your body, which I'm talking like 900 to 1,000 calories, which is where I take every single one of my clients. That's exactly what I did in my surgery. At the three and a half month mark, I hit 950 calories every single day. Okay, that's where I was, was falling. My, my macros were balanced 
And guys, I went through my entire weight loss journey without a single stall. Without a single stall. I hit my goal weight in 13 months without a single stall by eating 950 to 1,000 calories a day on balanced macros. I constantly had stalls. Yep. I so, didn't know you then. <laughs> I know. So, you know, the deal is, guys, that instead of relying, but instead of relying on those fad diets, on those liquid resets that you see bouncing around every group out there, and there's a couple of them that keep getting posted over and over and over, and I just cringe every time I see them, you know, what we really need to do is go back to doing what we learned to do in the first place. And by do, by saying that, I don't mean eating what we were eating in the first place. Right. I mean doing what we were doing. And so, you know, the first thing we need to do is if you're past three or four, you know, months, stop drinking the protein shakes. If you're going to drink them, for the love of all that is holy, please make sure that they are whey isolate and that the majority of your protein comes from real food, not from I want you to liquid. talk I want you to talk to me about tell us why whey isolate from okay. from your research because that may be something that a lot of people don't know. Oh yeah, and guys, I promise you we will have a whole episode or at least a big episode or a big part of an episode where we talk specifically about the different grades of protein. Um, but essentially proteins run um, like protein powders and protein beverages run on a scale from caseinate to a hydrolyzed whey isolate. Okay, so on a scale of like zero to 10. Okay, so a caseinate, which is the primary ingredient of a really popular protein drink out there that I'm not sure I really want to talk about because it's terrible for you, but everybody drinks it and oh, it's super cheap. It's super cheap and it's available and it's savvy marketing, but it's crap. So, because for a bariatric patient, caseinate is the slowest protein to break down in the body. It's not necessarily very pure. Um, it has lots of fillers. It is, it's, was developed for bodybuilders, people who are working out, building muscle for hours on end, and eating 4,000 calories a day. That's who caseinate was developed for. It was not developed for bariatric patients who need to eat every three hours and rely on protein for their health. So, so if you're looking at your, at your label of your protein drink and the first or second ingredient is caseinate, don't drink it. Mm -hmm. And I have, there are bariatric surgeons out there. I have quotes from them from different surgeons that say they do not allow their patients to drink it because there is such a high likelihood that they don't get any, I mean, I'm talking zero benefit from it because it goes straight through the body before they have a chance to even break it down and absorb it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, a hydrolyzed whey isolate or a whey isolate is the purest form of protein. Virtually all of the lactose has been removed. So it's a very, very clean, pure protein, which means it can be broken down incredibly quickly and it can be digested fast and put into our body. So if your protein is not a, at least a hundred or like 95% or better whey isolate, then you are most likely not getting the benefits that you think from your protein. And, and I'm not trying to challenge you here, but I want to, no. I want to say, cause you know, and I know that mm -hmm. there've been people who have said, oh, I'm allergic to whey. Right. So what are your recommendations for people who are, let's say vegan or who have a whey allergy or, um, and an allergy to, to the most, um, well, I don't want to say most popular type of protein, but the whey right. isolate protein. Well, okay. There, 
my approach is probably slightly different from, from what others are going to say, but you know my stance. It's like once you can eat enough food, real food, to get your protein from food, then you don't need to be drinking these shakes anyways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if for someone who has a severe whey isolate allergy, who truly cannot tolerate it, then use whatever you can use at that point until you can get to the point where you can start getting your protein from food. At that point, then it's not as big of a deal because the only thing you're using protein powders for, at least in my plans, is well, that's to what supplement I was real food. To supplement right. real food. So right. like protein balls, you put whey isolate in there. Right. And so if they can't have whey isolate, and then again... Then use a pea protein, use an egg white protein. I mean, there's lots right. of others out there that are still going to give you some protein benefits. And the nice thing about that, guys, is that once you start adding proteins to real food, the real food is going to digest slower, therefore allowing you time to absorb the protein. Right. Whereas if you're drinking it, it's just going straight through your system. I want to read something that I found that's actually from a bariatric surgeon. Mm -hmm. And um, it was also in agreement with this whole... Don't do the Mm five-day pouch reset. And it says, the major reason for weight regain is the reoccurrence of unhealthy eating habits and or lack of exercise. Maintaining weight loss requires a lifelong commitment to keeping up good habits and having support from friends, family, and your healthcare team. Searching through the medical literature, I could not find any evidence or scientific papers studying and discussing the five-day pouch reset when something is not discussed in the whole of medical literature, even as a simple case report, it leads me to believe that there's no scientific basis for this reset diet. And simply thinking about how the gastric pouch and anastomosis works, it does not make logical sense to me how the five-day regimen of liquid or purees could possibly shrink the, gra- the gastric pouch. The original feeling of tightness immediately after surgery is probably because of inflammation since the stomach was cut and stapled, and also there was inflammation from the creation of the anastomosis, the suturing. Right. This inflammation resolves after days or weeks, during which the time the stomach is healing, and hence the original tightness feeling resolves with it. And the, the reason I'm bringing this up is, again, Again, because people seem to think, oh, can I stretch my pouch? What do doctors say? And it's really, again, about that inflammation that happens right after surgery because it doesn't matter what surgery that you have, there's inflammation because of the body's... um, Well, and the fluids they pump in and, I mean, all the things that happen after surgery. You know, so we've got a lot of things going on. So... So that first topic that I said was, you know, if you're going to drink protein shakes, make sure they're way isolate. If you're going to use them in food, you want, you know, at that point. High quality. You want high quality. Right. Okay. And that's another thing. Oh my God. I didn't spend $17,000 to have surgery to eat crap. Oh. I didn't have surgery to, you know, completely surgically alter my body for life to eat crap again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put the healthiest foods in my body. I mean, period. I'm just, I just am. Well, and that brings another topic because again, we were, I mentioned the whole, um, financial factor of people choosing foods that are cheaper. And I talk about this in release your regain. I'm not going to go too far off Mm -hmm. the, off the map here, but a lot of people will go, Oh, well, this is cheaper. Well, this is cheaper. Well, whether Mm -hmm. insurance paid for this 17, $20,000 surgery or whether you paid for it, it's an investment. Yep. 
And a $25 protein powder versus a $15 protein powder. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're worth the investment. I'm worth the investment. Mm -hmm. The other part of that is, and again, I talk about this in my book, Release Your Regain, which is that what are we continuing to invest in? Because if we continue to put crap in our body, then guess what? Five years from now, that MRI, that CT scan, that we get this- revision surgery that you're- you know, contemplating. Right. But you know, whether it's a revision or whether it's an actual health issue because of the crap Mm -hmm. that's going in the body, like this is, this is about health. This is about healing. This is about so much more. And I'll talk more about the mindset piece next time. But you know, when we're not eating from a place of health and healing and really loving ourselves, that's a mindset issue because that has to do with self-esteem and self-worth and eating for urges and taste, which could could be a lack of fulfillment, a lack of liking oneself, or eating from a place of depression and so much more, rather than I'm worth right. the healthy food. Absolutely. And then the taste buds, which again, we'll we'll talk about, but if people are have um are continuing to eat things as a result of uh Again, we've talked about the taste buds, but we, you can reprogram your taste buds. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, and it's like, you, you know, you hit on a really good point is, you know, we, we go through this and a lot of times we think of healthcare of nutrition as an expense and instead it's an investment. It really is. And I would really rather invest in health right now. So I don't have to invest in, in that three thousand dollar CT in, scanner MRI yes, medicine, later. right? In me- yeah, so yeah. Let's be proactive. Starts in the kitchen. It really healthcare does. Healthcare starts in the kitchen. Okay. So second thing, rethink your approach to eating and your patterns of activity. Okay, that's that's what a, a, a reset does. That's the kind of reset that we're talking about. Is how much do you exercise? How much are you moving your body? And guys, I'm not talking. You know, you don't have to go to the gym. How much are you walking around the block? Are you climbing the stairs? I live on a third floor apartment. And I climb my stairs at least four to six times a day mm-hmm. okay? because it's exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, I will sit at my computer for 12 hours a day and work. So I get out and I exercise. I've started playing tennis. I never in a million years thought I could play tennis. And, oh, my God, I freaking love it. Um, how much are you sleeping? Oh, okay, so sleep. <laughs> okay, we could have a whole episode on sleep. But, guys, sleep. Think about it. When your body sleeps, it is rejuvenating, okay? It's, you know, it's replenishing its energy. So it's resting, it's allowing time to it's, You're also to heal. healing. Yeah, yeah, to heal. If you are not sleeping adequately, then your body is going to start searching for energy that it didn't get during the sleep from other sources. And what are those other sources? Most likely they're going to be cravings, they're going to be carbohydrates, they're going to be those things that the body naturally craves for energy. So not sleeping adequately is going to affect your, your appetite. It's going to affect your hunger. It's going to affect your cravings. Um, all of this matters. So your approach to eating, are you eating slow like you did in the beginning? Are you putting your fork down between bites? Are you being very conscious of how you're eating around your plate? Like I teach my clients because I advocate healthy carbohydrates. I teach my clients to eat two bites of protein, one bite of carbohydrate two bites of protein, one bite of carbohydrate, so that they're eating in balance. So even if they don't eat their full portion, their food is still balanced and they're Mm -hmm. still getting the benefit of those carbohydrates. You know, are you chewing 
you know, your food really well? Are you making sure that you're not drinking 20 to 30 minutes before you eat and then not drinking 20 to 30 minutes after? Um, are you grazing throughout the day? Are you, or is your eating purposeful? Are you eating six planned purposeful meals or are you just going by and grabbing something whenever you get hungry? Grazing. So, well, and I had attended a professional, uh, training a couple of years ago where there was a bariatrician who gave this lecture and he said the two biggest causes of weight regain are sleep and stress. And when yep. he talked about a lack of sleep, um, he was talking about that there's a multiple, uh, a lot of changes, uh, to your body that could impact weight regain because sleep deprivation causes changes to hormones that regulate hunger and appetite. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you have that 3 PM slump, if you are working this typical eight to five, you're going to go to the snack machine or you're going to start looking for something. And there have been many studies that have shown that when you get less than six to eight hours of sleep per night, that you can eat in excess of 400 plus more calories per day Absolutely. if you're not tracking. Yes. And which is one of my next points on the list. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, yeah, it, sleep is so critically important, you know, and, you know, Kristen mentioned, um, stress as well. So, sleep deprivation reduces leptin. Yes. Yep. Yep. So physically the effects of stress, um, you can be more susceptible to illness, colds and flu, headaches, trouble sleeping, muscle tension, skin problems, trouble with digestion. Hello. Um, stress can also affect you mentally with poor concentration, forgetfulness, learning problems, frequent negative thoughts. Oh my gosh. Um, speech problems. Emotionally, stress can affect us through anxiety, depression, anger, irritability, feelings of helplessness, lack of purpose, yep. relationship troubles. And then behaviorally, it'll, it'll cause, stress can cause us to eat poorly. It causes us even to drive recklessly. Oh my gosh, abusing alcohol or drugs, being accident prone, showing aggression. Yep. I mean, these are all side effects of stress. And so where are and you And how sitting? can you work on stress if you're sleep deprived? And yes. just going back to the other point, sleep deprivation causes changes to hormones that regulate hunger appetite. The hormone leptin suppresses appetite, encourages the body to expend energy. Sleep deprivation reduces leptin. Yep. The hormone ghrelin, on the other hand, triggers feelings of hunger and ghrelin goes up oh. when you're short on sleep. Yep. Yep. And the two interact in... in and again, an unfortunate negative way, because when you're short on sleep, like you were just um, mentioning, you can actually get more stressed because you're irritable yep. and you're tired and groggy and you can get impacted by, by stress yeah, and frustrated, exactly. overwhelmed. Yep, exactly. You know, Christian also mentioned, actually, my next point was tracking. Um, so first it was, you know, if you're going to choose protein drinks, make sure you're using whey isolate and your protein comes from real food. Second, rethink your approach to eating and your patterns of activity. Third, track your food. Know where your nutrition is coming from. So guys, I have two plans that I've created for um, healthy bariatric weight loss. I have balanced macros and balanced keto. Um, they're both have been vetted. They have both been tested. They have both been extremely successful for the past four years. Um, but here's the thing, guys, patients who track their intake every single day. And I'm not talking, and we're going to, I'll talk about this in a second, but I'm not talking about just tracking after you eat. I'm talking about tracking before you eat. 
um, are eight to 10 times more likely to hit their goals and to minimize regain than those who do not track. Okay, so let me talk about tracking. So guys, tracking after the fact means you're playing catch up. So you go through your day or even each meal, and at the end of the meal, you track what you ate. Well, all that's doing is showing you what you did at the end of the day, good or bad. And nine times out of 10, probably not great. You're probably off somewhere significantly, mm. typically fats or carbohydrates. But think about the flip that would happen if you started tracking before. So that's what I train all my clients to do. That's what I do myself. That's what I've done from day one of when I started you know, really doing this. So at about five weeks post-op is when I started tracking ahead of time. So I would sit down on the weekend. I would plan out my entire week. My entire, I would put it all into my fitness pal. The whole thing. Every day, what I'm going to eat. You know, my breakfast, my lunch, my three snacks. The whole day was planned out. I did my grocery shopping from that list. And by God, if it was not on that menu, it didn't go in my mouth. And what if they don't eat everything on the list? Then you do the best you can. You do the best you can. So, and over time, so by the time I hit a probably five months, I was eating everything on my list because, you know, I'm hitting 900 to 950 to 1,000 calories every day. And I, it was all bariatric friendly portions. And when you're tracking like that, you know, and especially if you... So this includes the portion on the plate. So you're, pre, you're pre-tracking, yes. but you're also... Because I'm thinking of the family, the mom that yeah. has like three kids oh, and she's yeah, cooking and sure. she's putting food on the plate. Yep. So she's portioning out her food. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the person who says, okay, I've eaten my portion and I'm still hungry? Drink water. But you wait 30 minutes. Wait 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Because nine times out of 10, guys, here's the thing. Um, if you're eating and you're not exercising too much, let's say that, let's say you're just walking and no more than 30 minutes a day. As a bariatric patient, most patients do well on 1,000 to 1,200 calories a day, period. Okay, we don't need more than that. Now, when we start increasing our exercise, we need to start increasing the calories to go along with it. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're hungry after it, truly eating balanced nutrition, and guys, it, that's, that's where the biggest part of it comes, is I can eat 1,200 calories of crap, Right. And well, be hungry an hour later. Calories are not created equal. Right. Uncomfortable oh, truth. Uncomfortable truth. That's true. <laughs> um, but, you know, like if you look at one of my meal plans and, you know, guys, if you go to our website and we'll give you the, the URL and things here in, in a bit. But if you go to the website, you can get a sample meal plan. You can message me. I'll send you a sample meal plan. If you look at the plans, there's a crap ton of food on there. Okay. But it's all bariatric friendly. It's right. all portioned out for a bariatric patient. Right. Because if the food is nutrient dense... That means it's going to be the smallest package for the maximum benefit. Right. And so, you know, for instance, it's a protein ball. I have a protein ball every single morning when I wake up. It's anywhere from 100 to 120 calories. It's proteins, carbs, and healthy fats. And boom, I've got my metabolism started, jump, jump started for the day. Okay. So if I plan out my day like that, where, you know, my snacks are anywhere from 100 to 150 calories, my breakfast and, and lunch are typically around 200 calories, and my dinner is between two and 300 calories, I've got a full day done mm -hmm. and it's incredibly healthy, incredibly balanced. And so, you know, think about how your body's going to react to being given nutritious foods, you know, and I constantly have people who are like, Patricia, I can't eat all the food, but oh my gosh, it's delicious. Right. It is delicious. I mean, and that's, you know, my family's loving the recipes, you know, because 
you know, I create every recipe with a family in mind. It's like, would I feed this to my children? Would I feed this to my 92-year-old grandmother? Right. You know, so every single recipe that comes out of my test kitchen is, can I feed this to a Mm 5-year-old? Can I feed this to a Mm 92-year-old? You know, and if I say no, or if it's, you know, then it doesn't go on the plans. Right. Or I'll put it out, but it's like a special occasion recipe or something, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and, you know, so, yes, you can, you know, fuel your body and, and, sufficiently meet your needs so tracking though guys tracking is so 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 important if you don't know how to track get with me i will teach you i have a tutorial on using my fitness pal all of my recipes are already all of the nutritional information is already preloaded into my fitness pal and there's there's so much research on this in the the clinical literature it's called Mm self-monitoring and even for those who are struggling with eating disorders in dialectical behavior therapy um, most therapists work with clients on, uh, utilizing a diary card and the diary card is about managing cravings, urges, and then also writing down what they eat in a purposeful way so that they can reflect on it so that they are eating because a diary card is not just for overeating. It's also for people who are struggling with anorexia. So the diary card is a way or binging, right? Any of those so it's, it's interesting because tracking again, from when I, when I have read, uh, journal articles, bariatric journal articles, they are self-monitoring. Mm-hmm. They use the term self-monitoring and, yeah. but it's the same thing. It's tracking your food purposefully. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also great because most surgeons offices, as we talked about before, um, surgeons offices and the dietitians will say, get this much protein per day. Mm-hmm. And so how how are you going to know if you're getting 80 or 90 grams of protein a day, unless you're tracking in, um, an app such as my fitness pal, for example. Exactly. Well, and it's also analytical data for your nutrition coach. It's data comes to me and says, Patricia, I'm stalled or I've gained the very, very first thing that's going to come out of my mouth or the very first thing I'm going to type is, can I see your tracking? Can I see what you've, what you've been tracking, what have you been eating, how many calories, what are your macros? Okay, because that's the information. That is analytical data. That is data that I can use to assess what needs to change and how I can help you. Yeah. And so a lot of times when I have somebody that comes to me and it's like, Patricia, I want to hire you to coach me. And, you know, I'm like, okay, to do that before we have our first real true sit down, I want you to track for a week and then come back to me. And if they don't do that, then I won't take them on as a one-on-one client. I just won't. Right. Well, you need the data. You've got to see what the baseline is. And if they're not willing to take that step, then they're not willing to really follow through with me. Right. So, because I know that the research shows they've got to track for success. You have to. And it's not just to track until you hit your goal. This is true. This is true. I I still track. I still track. And I'm seven years out. Yeah. I'm four years out. And I've been at goal for three years. And I still track every single day. Yeah. So, this is a lifetime thing. You know, and yes, is it hard in the beginning? Absolutely. It is. It's like, it's not as cumbersome as you think though. Once you get the hang of it, really, it's not, it's like any new skill, any skill. Like when you started your new job or, you know, whatever that may be, you had skills you have to learn. Right. And a routine. Yeah. It's no different. No difference. It becomes easier over time. Okay. So protein, get it from real food, rethink your approach, track your food. And finally, the last thing that, that will help with a reset is to hydrate. Oh my gosh. Guys, seriously, bariatric patients are the most underhydrated population of people I think I've ever encountered. I have um, trained myself. If I'm having an urge or a craving, 
I literally will look over and go, have I drank water today? Because it's, yeah. it's, um, it's critical. It's it is likely critical. hydration. Yeah. So when the body is dehydrated, it can't send a signal to the brain and go, hey, dummy, I need some water. <laughs> it can't do that. And so the signal it sends to the brain is, I'm hungry. Put something in me. So nine times out of 10, if you are eating a proper you know, nutrition plan, if you are following a proper nutrition plan and you're getting adequate calories and adequate protein and adequate high fiber carbohydrates and adequate fats, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, your hunger is attached to dehydration and not hunger at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I can't tell you guys, I'll, I'll spend a day, you know, I, I spend four or five days a month doing nothing but like back-to-back one-on-one calls from eight o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, are you drinking enough water? Are you drinking enough water? Every time you get an urge and it's, you're hungry, go get a bottle of water, go drink a bottle of water, step outside on your porch, get some fresh air, drink a bottle of water, and then go back in the house and see if you're still hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, so hung, I mean. And you know what? For every time that somebody hears water in this episode, they should take a sip because I play drinking games. Oh, that's a great one. Which yeah. which is on any of my group calls. Mm-hmm. Anytime somebody says water, I'm like, all right, we got to take a sip. But but it's <laughs> like, it. it's training your brain yeah. to take a sip of water in because people will forget because they're not used right. to it. And yet right. it's so important for us to stay hydrated to balance the hunger. And it's, yeah. it's important for listening because intuitively, especially bariatric patients haven't built up that um, intuitive eating right. place yeah. where am I hungry or am I not? Is this head hunger? Is this physical hunger? So important. Which another episode yeah. yet next is episode. next episode, <laughs> right? Which is what's so important is, oh, take a sip. So you guys mm-hmm. could play a game with it. Yeah. So water, 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 water. <laughs> How many sips is that? I know. Right? <laughs> okay. So hydrate and guys, I'm not talking just the mere 64 ounces that a lot of bariatric surgery centers tell you. Now, for some of us, that's all we can get in. But once you're a year or so out, there is absolutely zero reason you can't be hitting close to half your body weight. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. What is the what What does the research say about the your body weight and the and the ounces that you should drink? Is there yeah, information it's 50%, on that? It's fifty percent of your body weight should be in ounces of water. Now, as a bariatric patient, you know if you're two hundred and fifty, three hundred pounds. It's going to be impossible for you to drink. 600 ounces of water? No. Oh, half. 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 Sorry. Oh, my gosh. 150 ounces 150 of water. 150 ounces that of water. That would be almost impossible. However, you can drink half of your goal weight or 64 ounces, whichever is larger. Right. So for me, okay, my goal weight was 170. So at 170, that's 85 ounces. I can drink 85 ounces of water a day mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. Okay, now could I do that? All the time? No. Guys, I'm the first to admit I have struggled with water from day one. Oh, yeah. I've struggled with water. It is is a constant effort for me. Now that I'm four years out, it's much easier and I most days hit my water goal. But honestly, well, I struggled. I, I think struggled with water. Once you start getting in the habit, then yes. your body wants it. Yes, I your notice body adjusts. your body adjusts and your body starts to crave it because I know on the days that I may not be hitting that 64, I have more thirst. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because I've been trained. Yeah. Well, and you know, people are like, I can't go to the bathroom that often. Guys, that's not going to last forever because your body will become acclimated to having that water. It will need that water at a certain point. You will stop going to the restroom quite as often. 
But you know what? Use those times for the rest when you go to the restroom. Do some squats. Do some squats. Every okay, I, and y'all are gonna laugh. But seriously, it works. Every time you go to the bathroom, do five squats. If you can't do five squats, do five jumping jacks or five wall push-ups. Think about it. If How you're afraid you of have... hitting something in the stall, <laughs> wall push-ups. Wall push-ups. I do. I tell my clients all the time, guys, you want to add some easy exercise into your day every single time you go to the bathroom. Every time. And it takes no more than a minute. Do five squats and five wall push-ups every time you go to the bathroom. Or stretch. I mean, st- anything. Move. But think about the toning Knee that ups. you would be doing yeah. when you when you do I'm, this. I'm like now thinking of all these things I could do. Super I, simple. Obviously, I work from home. But for yeah. all those people who work in offices and have to go into like a bathroom yeah. stall, like I'm visually picturing a bathroom stall and all the things you could do in a bathroom stall. <gasps> bathroom stall workouts. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm doing it. I just... Yeah, we're doing it. Great ideas. Okay, so so hydrate. All right. Now, with all of this being said, okay, you know, I'm sure that some of you out there are going, okay, Patricia, what do I do? I want to do, I need to restart. I need to do that. Okay, let's first of all change that that vernacular. Let's let's change the label and let's start. Let's call it a kickstart. Yeah. Let's kickstart your weight back into where it needs to be. Let's kickstart your your mindset back to where it needs to be. Absolutely. Let's do it with real food. So I do have a kickstart. Okay. You guys can purchase it on my website. It's $14.99. I have four different plans, actually. I have one. That's less or about the same as like a month of Netflix. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's like- you get an entire <laughs> week's meal plan. You get a support group. Um, there's plans for singles, there's plans for families, there's balanced macro plans and there's balanced keto plans. So whatever plan you need, it is there. Okay. It is there. Yes. I will say there is a protein shake on the balanced macro plan, but it's, it's paired with some fruit. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, I have a reason for doing that partly is because I want to make sure that you guys are still getting the portions in. Um, but you can also substitute that protein shake out and use Greek yogurt instead and still Ooh. get some, some benefits from that and get the same benefits. Um, and I do have people do both. I have some people who want to do the protein shakes because they enjoy them. And, you know, it's just revisiting back for one week. But here's the thing, guys. You can't do a kickstart one week and lose. I mean, I've had people lose 12 pounds in a week. On, on I, I've week. seen people who have done yeah. it. And I would say that... Um, your specific kickstart, the the comments that I see that mm-hmm. are left are like, oh my gosh, I've lost four pounds. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've lost seven pounds. Yeah. And so I've it's seen... Four to eight pounds is typically in one week is right. most mostly. But I have had people lose like 12 and 15 pounds in a week. But I know what you're so, about to say. You right. cannot do the kickstart and go back yes. to eating crap like no. Doritos and Cheetos no. the next week nope. and then expect it to like to stay. Yeah. It's just not reasonable. So you have, you have to stay with the plan guys. You ha- if you pick the plan, stay with the plan, you know, and I said in, in, in our first episode, you know, pick, you know, pick the plan, prep the plan, follow the plan, work the that, plan, work yeah. the plan. It's the plan. So if you do my kickstart and, if you and fail you to experience plan. success, <laughs> right. Don't stop there. Continue on with the same macro. This is not short This is not, this is a lifetime thing. This is a lifestyle. Right. So you can't just be one and done and gone and then go back to doing whatever the hell you want. You can't. I mean, it's not going to work. You're going to, you know, you're going to go right back to a game game. Frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to yo-yo and then you're going to go, you're going to want to throw some money or do that crappy liquid diet that's out there. Yeah. But even with that, you're, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. So it's the same nope. thing, whether you do, whether you do do the liquid one or, um, the, the full food, yeah. you can 
you can kickstart and lose on the full food. But if you go back to whatever you were doing before, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I'm going to say one thing about the liquid reset that I don't think I've said yet. At least I don't remember that I have is guys that liquid reset that's out there simply mimics the yo-yo dieting that destroyed your metabolism that brought you to sitting here with bariatric surgery in the first place. Let's think about it. The diet mentality, yeah. How many times did you follow some fad diet to lose a bunch of weight only to six months or a year later regain it plus? That liquid diet does the exact same thing. It is a diet mentality. It destroys your metabolism. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. It's so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. You need. You can do the exact same thing from reading from eating real food. Exact same thing. So. And then after the reset, it's living again. What I call the eighty twenty, mm-hmm. but eating those whole healthy foods mm-hmm. and and really establishing that lifestyle change. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So you know the whole thing with regain in in resets. And it's not about... It's not magic. It's not magic. You know, the only time that success comes before work is in the dictionary. I love that one. Yeah. You've got to put in the work, guys. And and the work never ends. No. It changes. It changes. It looks different at every step along the way. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, sitting here at four years and seven years post-op, we are still working. Oh, for sure. We are still working to maintain or to, you know, regain as possible. You know, I've shared with you guys that I experienced some regain at the end of my marriage. You know, I get it. I get what regain is about. But you know what? I didn't do a, a liquid reset. I, I simply went and followed my own meal plans. And I lost 20 pounds in two months. Yep. So, I mean, this is definitely, it works. And it's I've real seen food. so many people go through it. And I can't remember if I shared this in mine or not, but um, with every... And, and again, you guys get more personalized insight here with every miscarriage that I've had. Yeah. I've gained about, um, well with every pregnancy that unfortunately ended in miscarriage, it was about 15 to 20 pounds. And then it was like, you know, right back. Okay. What, what am I going to do? And it was just that conscious, um, kickstart, but then going back to, and and it wasn't that I wasn't eating healthy before the, the reason for the weight gain was hormonal. And so it's also honoring where your body's at, trusting Trusting, your body in the process and trusting that it's going to come off through the kickstart and through the healthy eating. Because if you're constantly in conflict with your body or going through this whole hate thing, you can't hate yourself to thinness no. or to, to losing weight. It's just not possible. You can't guilt yourself. You can't, you guilt can't yourself, shame yourself. yourself. Nope. No. Actually, you need to do the exact opposite and you need to make yourself a priority. Correct. In every Compassion, love, You need to show kindness. yourself compassion. You need to show yourself some love. You need to understand that you are human and that you are going to make mistakes, but it's what you do as a result of those mistakes that makes the difference. And every single time... And, and of course it was difficult having, and I, I'm sure you're, you know, going through the divorce is difficult going through a miscarriage is difficult. And then on top of it going, okay, and I have this weight right. and, and instead of shaming myself or, or getting mad, it was like, okay, 
let's do this Mm -hmm. and doing it from a place of love and compassion and almost inclusion because my body wasn't something that I hated or separate from me. It was something that I needed to kind of bring under, under my wing and, and really hug and hold and love. Absolutely. Um, well, and here's, here's the thing, guys. If you don't love yourself, no one else is going to love you the way you can. So if you don't put your own nutritional needs first, if you don't put your own you know, mindset needs first, your fitness needs first. It may be a cue for therapy. Yeah, it could be, but also nobody else is going to. No, that's true. Like nobody 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 else is going to say, hey, you know, loved one, hey, so-and-so, you know what? I really want to help you with this nutrition or I really Mm want to help you because it's going to come off as... It, they, you might even interpret it as judgment, yeah. but nobody and nobody else is going to put you first in because you are, yeah, you, you are have you. To be a priority <laughs> in your own life. Yeah, you have to be, and your health has to be a priority. You get one life to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with one of my clients this week, and she was extremely frustrated. And you know, she's like, I, I just, I'm at the point of giving up. I just, I just, I just don't even care anymore. And I'm like, look, somebody you have not even met yet is going to need you here in their life. Absolutely. You don't know what the future holds. So how healthy do you want to be for that person? Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse or a future partner or a friend or whoever. You don't know who that person is, but somebody you haven't even met yet is going to need you here. How present are you going to be? Are you going to be able to play with the grandkid? Or are you going to be walking around with you know in a walker because you're... You know, 400 pounds again. I have a mindset moment. Okay. So I had a similar conversation with a client this week and, um, this, of course, pandemic Mm -hmm. life, a lot of changes, struggles, right. It sucks. And, um, two months ago, this person was like, Oh, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? You know, this is so frustrating. And there has been some new developments in Mm -hmm. this person's Mm -hmm. life. Again, without going into details, don't want to disclose any confidentiality, new developments in this person's life. And, um, it's actually he. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that he said to me was, um, you know, I never could have seen this coming two or three months ago. And I said, well, when you kept saying, why is this happening to me? Um, I want you to shift that to how might this be happening for me? Mm -hmm. Because when we're saying, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? We're becoming very anxious and upset with the situation. And yet as things unfold, they may be happening for our greater good. They may be happening for our own insight, for our personal development so that we can gain new skills, so that we can be challenged purposefully. So when regain happens, rather than saying, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? Why did this divorce? Why did this miscarriage? Why did this whatever happen to me? We can then ask, how might this be happening for me? How might this be turning out exactly how it's supposed to? And I don't even see it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And what am I meant to learn? Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Wow. All right, guys. Heavy episode about regain. 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 Regain be gone. I know. (laughs) We can, we can release it. Okay. So yes, release your regain. Okay. So uncomfortable truth, Kristen. What's your uncomfortable truth from this episode? You can't live your old life and expect new results. The uncomfortable truth that I have to share is 
old ways won't open new doors. Love it. And, and it's time to get real with yourself about what you're not willing to do, mm-hmm. what you're not willing to release, and that may be causing the conflict that has led to the regain. And once you get clear on that and, and you work through releasing the old mm-hmm. coping mechanisms or the old habits or the old behaviors, that that's when you'll, you'll know that you're ready to shift to change. Yeah. Well, and I love, you said the word work a couple of times. I mean, cause again, going back, we this all is work. work. This is work. This is all work. Yeah. And, and the thing is, and I tell my clients this all the time while it is work, I, one of the things that I do in all of my programs is consistently ask, how can we make this easy? Because if we see it as work and we see it as hard and we make it hard, we're going to consistently smack our head into this imaginary brick wall. Yet when we continue to ask ourselves, how can I make this easy? How can I break this down? How can I integrate it into my life so that it's part of my day to day? We can make it easy. It yeah. can become easy because it becomes lifestyle normal. change. It becomes, it becomes normal. normal. It becomes part of life. Absolutely. And so it's also shifting the perspective and how we're thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so my uncomfortable truth is stop looking for the quick fix. Oh, yeah, I love that. Stop looking for the quick fix. There is no quick there fix. There is no quick fix for long-term results. There's there, not. There's no quick fix. You know, you can't slap money on something and, and expect it to go away. You can't. You have to put in the work. To make the change. And our surgery most definitely was not an easy way out. And oh I my think God, no. we are such living proof of that. Yeah. And we tell our clients all the time, this is not the easy way out because no. there's so much work on the back end. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that's one area that our industry has really done an injustice is it hasn't really educated patients going into surgery on how hard this is going to be afterwards. Right. Is they all think it's, you know, oh, I'm just going to eat less and I'm just going to smooth sail right along and everything's going to be wonderful and I don't have to change anything because my stomach's going to do all the work for me. Mm, No. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's just a tool. And just like any tool that you have, it's how you wield it. So, you know, but stop looking for the quick fix. Put in the work. And if you don't know how to do the work, reach out to somebody who does. Like me. Like Kristen. Right. You know, there is help out there for you. So, and... Trust me. And believe me, there's in both of our free Facebook groups, there's so much content. Oh my God. There's yes, so much so free much. content. Yeah, <laughs> so much content. So, okay. So, guys, that's going to wrap up our Regain Nutrition episode. Part, part one of two. Um, yeah, part one of two. So, check back with us again next time for the mindset journey on Regain. Yep. Where we will go into the mindset side of Uh, Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, We really value you. Please share, 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 share this podcast with any and all of your friends and support groups and surgeons' offices and whoever you can share it with to get the word out there. Um, If you have questions, you know, please go to the website. Um, It's mybariatrickitchenonline.com. There is a podcast page on there where you can ask us questions. You can give us you know, suggestions for topics you'd like to hear about. Um, and if you have questions, we will do a whole episode coming up here soon about, you know, just addressing the questions that everybody has. We're getting some on Instagram already, um, which is really cool. Um, I haven't checked today for the, uh, the website, but it, it's coming soon. So I'm excited. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.
guys. Well, thanks See you next for time. Listening. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The content included in this podcast is for information and education purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your surgeon, physician, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical issue or concerns. Thanks.